welcome to Cinema Spectator, a show where an expert and a casual movie fan break down movies in the cinematic Cameron. My name is Isaac Ransom. Of course, I am joined with the almighty expert, Cameron Tuttle. How are you doing, Cameron? Oh, doing all right. I'm not uh, that almighty, but, you know, I was I was feeling tired today, you know. Oh. Woke up getting, you know, had a had a fun weekend hanging out with Brad, my old roommate, but, uh, you know, woke up and... I was was just pretty exhausted today, so I'm I've been feeling like I'm catching up, catching up to speed, you know. The tired Cameron Tuttle, our our film guru of the show, usually he's hosting, so you'll have to bear with my verbose WWE announcing excitement <laughs> uh, for this late night recording. Today's episode is on Five Hundred Days of Summer, directed by Mark Webb, starring Joseph Gordon Levitt and Zoe Deschanel. We're concluding. Uh, romantic month, rom-com month in February, Cameron. This is, I, I'm really excited to talk about this movie. We've been kind of alternating weeks with more casual films, kind of bounced off more of your expert choices, Cameron. Last last week's episode on um, uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, I think. Yeah, that's yeah, right. I, I've gotten the, the name wrong too many times. Really impressed with that film. A lot of good ones this month. I think it's been a lot of fun. Um, to watch rom-coms and yeah this one i i'm surprised on how artistic it is and i'm really excited to get into it cameron but i just want to give you a chance to ask you what you've been watching if there's anything that you've been doing i know we've we've been busy that we've been pushing this episode late so just tell me what's going on what have you been watching um yeah i haven't really been watching anything i i actually just got back from tahoe so i didn't really get a chance to watch too many movies i was skiing all week but um yeah hopefully um hopefully i'll be able to either see jackass or the batman you know maybe both but yeah i'm hoping hoping to catch a new movie hopefully in the next week we'll see yeah no, I'm I'm really excited for the Batman. I think. I mean, the reviews are in. People are loving it. Could just be early. I don't know. Sometimes audience reactions a little different, but I I, don't, I think most people have a good feeling about this one. I think it's going to be. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to see see how it goes. And I was listening to a was it Chris Stuckman review on YouTube. Sometimes I watch his content a little bit. And um, he was talking about how he loves the director's work in the past. I guess he has. Uh, he directed Cloverfield, has ties to some of the Planet of the Apes movies or like War of the Apes or something like that. Um, he was really positive on that director. All the movies he listed, I was like, I don't really think of those as like the most exciting <laughs> films, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it, it seems to be reviewing positively. And I think people are ready to see um, kind of, you know, uh, what, what's his name? The Twilight dude. Robert Pattinson. Yeah, Robert Pattinson. Coming back to sort of that blockbuster um, role, I know he was with Tenet, but Tenet was a little bit like, mm. and he was doing a bunch of work on the side that was like more artistic, indie, you know, a lot of people talk about The Lighthouse, but it's cool to see him sort of in a flagship blockbuster, akin to maybe some of the the um, powerful box office numbers that the Twilight series had. You know, there's no doubt that Batman has that kind of staying power, so it's interesting to see him uh, in a blockbuster that's probably not going to be super cheesy compared to like what some of the Twilight movies did, right? And and see how he like dominates the screen with his 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 growing experience as an actor, right? Um, 
But. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, you know, like Matt Reeves, the director, he he is kind of a workman, uh, which can be good in a movie like this where you want someone who's pretty well versed in in sort of action, making things look uh, cinematic and and is kind of bringing that flair. I don't know. I'm not necessarily sure. The, the problem for me is like it's a three hour movie. So. I, I'm already like a little off put by that hmm. without even seeing it because that that's a that's a big that's a big sink you know that's a big commitment for most people and I would say most three hour movies don't really have enough content to justify it but you know hopefully it does so I I'm looking forward to it I love Robert Pattinson too I think he's a he's a great actor you mentioned a couple you you mentioned the lighthouse um, but I, I'm a huge fan of Good Time yeah that he was in did we watch that movie. No, my brother has has seen it and he said it was pretty difficult to watch. Like it's like kind of like, you know, painstaking. I don't know. He was like, I was just stressed out the whole time. Um, but I mean, yeah, I know that some people yeah, are like, yeah, that movie is like great for doing that. Right. Um, yeah. It's yeah. It's super good. Yeah. No. Um, I, but yeah. What about you? Have you uh, have you seen anything recently? Well, I have had some time to be watching things. Um, I've been spending a little bit of time. A little bit of downtime with Jules, um, just because of a couple things going on in her life, and so I have had some time to watch. You know, obviously this movie for this week. Um, I am gonna admit something on this show, and I I'm sure I'll be judged for it, Cameron. You know what I'm gonna say. Um, but every once in a while, Juliana and I like to watch some uh, reality TV and some of those yeah. Netflix specials. You know, <laughs> so there is a um, a season of a show called Love Is Blind where they do this weird social experiment and they put people in these pods and they like try to form a connection without seeing each other. And then they propose to each other and then they go get married. And it's, um, it's really interesting to watch some of these shows with a critical eye. Cause I'd actually argue there's another series on Netflix that we watch called too hot to handle, which with all of these reality TV shows, I think really it's, you see one season, you've seen them all. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, the show, like, Too Hot to Handle is, like, really sadistical, right? Like, I, I, I think that the, the, the people who created that show, even the people behind the cameras, are having so much fun putting together a show uh, that is, like, basically making fun of these hot people that they force uh, onto an island and say, you can't have sex or you lose money, right? Um, which is, like, just a weird concept for a reality TV show to, in general, right? <laughs> Again, you've seen one season, you've seen it all. But they do a lot of creative, um, they, they have a lot of creative fun with the way they put together the show. I have to say this last season of Love is Blind, not that it should be critically insulted for, you know, I don't know. I don't know why I noticed this, but the color grading was just horrendous on this season <laughs> to the point where I was pointing it out and Juliana was like, no, this looks horrible. It looks like they used straight log footage. They ran out of budget to, to like color stuff. It would switch between like a Canon color profile and then switch to a, a side angle where it was like just flat gray. And I was like, what just happened, dude? Like, I don't know what was going on. Um, so the, if you've watched the show, you know, tell me if you're an editor, it's her It's just disgusting. You know, um, I have no pride. I don't mind admitting that, that I watched it. Um, I, we, me and Keanu watched it when like, it, it it's funny cause it came that the first season came out when the pandemic started. So it was basically like 2020, nobody w had anything to do. We were all locked down. And so me and Keanu watched the first season and gotta say it was, it was funny. 
Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was pretty funny. Yeah. But in in a terrible sort of way. <laughs> I would say the first season is probably a lot better. This season feels a little like there's there, you just get this feeling that there are things going on behind the camera that are so, like they're revealed way too late. Maybe it's like the editing or like showing like they didn't have enough time to follow the couples but it'd be like one episode people are like totally chill and literally up until the last episode there'd be like a couple that's like we got in a huge fight last night. They've never fought like on the whole season. You're like, what the heck? What are they even talking about? <laughs> oh yeah. And we're just calling it all off right now. And you're like, this feels so like from a storytelling perspective, just so strange, you know, but also yeah. it's reality TV. So uh, who knows? Right. I, I find the other show too hot to handle, like way, way more entertaining. I think it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> and they also are having a problem with that show because they shot season two and three back to back because they, like wanted to make sure that most people hadn't seen the show. So it would still be a surprise, but already they're running into an issue on that show where people are like, even in the, in the season two and three, they're like, Oh, we know what this is because we watched the Netflix show and it's like, well, some of the magic was taken. So whatever reality TV, it's it's trash. I'm not arguing for it. I watched a different TV show, a Netflix special camera that you might be interested in. It's called genius. It's a Kanye documentary. There's one more episode to come out, March 2nd. Absolutely love this documentary series. You know, you might have different feelings about Kanye West and how he's a little bit crazy, but there is just something magical about seeing the concept behind this documentary, which is basically there's this guy in radio interview, and he was in Chicago. He interviewed Kanye West. And before anybody took Kanye West seriously, he was like, I think this kid has something. I'm going to quit my job with a camera, follow him to New York, and record everything that happens to him before anyone knows this guy's name. So there's a ton of footage of him meeting, like, you know, famous rappers for the first time and them not taking him seriously. Um, There's, like, this really cool moment in the documentary where... He meets Pharrell Williams, like, just randomly. And then they have that moment a little bit later in the documentary where he's, like, showing him a song. And Pharrell Williams is like, when I met you, I had no idea, but now I get it, you know? And it's this really cool story of, like, how basically this dude left his life in media to, like, follow Kanye, like, kind of on a whim, and like, how lucky is that that he sold this series to? I mean, he's the he's the narrator over the over the documentary too. Like, he sold it to Netflix, obviously. Um, yeah. So it's so far first two episodes. I think they're like ninety minutes each. Flew by. Like I watched them and I was like, I'm just riveted. Obviously, I, there's a little bit of personal experience in the music industry, and there's some stuff in there that I just think is like. Um, I don't know. I, I find it fascinating. I don't think everyone will find it fascinating, but I find it fascinating. Um, yeah, that sounds that sounds interesting. Um, I should check it out. I think it's just crazy to see footage of someone so early on when, like, no one believes in them. I just think that yeah. stuff is so... Like, who would have been lucky enough to film? I mean, like, people are so hungry for stuff around, like, Beatles Get Back, right? The fact that that footage even exists is just, like what you know like especially the first episode of beatles got back like it's just unbelievable it feels like you're just sitting there in the room with these legends who are like just hanging out on a normal sunday night or something like that right um to to kind of peek behind the curtain there's like some magic behind those documentaries so 
I don't know. And it's also funny in that series, there a bunch of people make fun of the camera guy. They're like, oh, what is this? You know, what is this guy? Like your documentary guy and Kanye went, oh, yeah, I'm doing a documentary. I'm doing a documentary. And they're like, what? Like, you're not even like, who are you? Right. <laughs> it's just yeah. crazy. You know, obviously a very Kanye West thing, but like, there, I don't know. There's just something about it. Right. So if you're interested in Kanye West, I think you'll enjoy it. I had like a little bit of interest. I have to say, like after watching this, it's like it's kind of hard not to be even more interested in him. Um, so maybe it is a great marketing thing. But overall, really impressed with that. It's called Genius. It's on um, Netflix if you want to check that out. But this is not a podcast about TV shows. It's Cinema Spectator, and you can support us at patreoncom productions, Throw a couple dollars our way, get exclusive benefits on the show, including having your questions read on air, getting a bonus episode each month, a bunch of other stuff. Uh, so you can check it out there. If you don't have a few dollars, it's all good. Tell friends and family, give our show a rating, share it. All that stuff helps the show grow. And yeah, that's all the shilling till the end song plays and you hear all about it. So, uh, yeah, no more shilling. I'm cutting myself off Cameron. It is time to talk about 500 days of summer. Really excited to hear your thoughts on this. Uh, the plot follows a character named Tom Henson, uh, after being dumped by a girl who he believes is his soulmate, uh, the hopeless romantic Tom Henson reflects on his relationship and tries to figure out what went wrong and what he can do to win her back. Um, honestly, the reasons for picking this movie, I feel like this is, let's see, what, what year did this come out? Like the 2009. Yeah. I feel like this is like a two thousands movie, a two thousands rom-com that a lot of people look back on and we're like, that's like a great, like, I feel like this kind of movie is the rom-com choice for almost like the hipster like <laughs> person that is into rom-coms, you know, they're like, this is like yeah. kind of the cool choice. Maybe it's the modern equivalent to Manhattan, which we watched. I don't know. Like there could be a small argument for that. I know you might think it's not quite at that level of depth or, or like meaning. Um, but I kind of feel like this movie has that, that, that energy, um, maybe taking up the mantle of a modern generation uh, after last week's movie, but like, like I don't know. I feel like our generation is is into this movie, um, and so I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on it, Cameron. I haven't watched this movie in a long time. Really interesting to watch it with fresh eyes, and you hadn't watched it, so tell me what you thought. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, it was my first time. I was I was pleasantly surprised. I uh, it. I feel like these movies, 500 Days of Summer is like grouped in a category for me of of like other rom-coms that like seem seem kind of cringe going into them, but maybe are not and maybe are a little deeper. Um, I don't really know what else I would put up there, but like, I don't know. I imagine something like The Notebook or, uh, mm, yeah. uh, you know, like things like that where, where it's like, yeah, I don't really want to watch that necessarily like uh, in my free time, <laughs> but this I was I was definitely going in with positive eyes because I knew sort of about the plot device of, you know, talking about the days and sort of retracing his steps a little bit. And it reminded me a bit of um, Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind in, in terms of when I was thinking about it in comparing it to the rest of the choices this month. So I, I do feel like it fit in really well and it was kind of a 
uh, I don't know. It was it was kind of a good end cap to that to that whole sequence. I think all four of the movies that we picked, right? No, not not uh, the third or the second one. What was that called? Uh, your About your time. Yeah, that one is the only positive one, but every other uh, movie has been about like unrequited love uh, in a lot of ways. So it's, I don't know. It's just kind of funny that in our, in our rom-com genre month, it's, it's all about not really falling in love. And wow. I wonder, kind of wh- I wonder why on. Cameron, I wonder why <laughs> look at these two. I, hosts. I have no idea why <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> um, yeah, but I I think I think this was a uh, it was it was kind of funny because I went through a, a a range of emotions while watching this movie. Um it maybe not a range, maybe like two emotions, right? The first half uh you know, I I loved seeing their interaction and I really loved the um the setup and the plot device of of you know, cutting back and forth between different moments and different um you know, getting a new perspective on these certain scenes i i really thought that was used effectively and and used very well throughout uh but after uh, maybe the like two-thirds of the way through the movie <laughs> i started <laughs> i started to get like unreasonably angry at zoe deschanel's character um <laughs> and i yeah. i became anti uh whatever her name is um anti-summer i right. i became the 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 number one uh s- summer downer uh to be honest because you know she's she really doesn't know how to how to p- communicate her emotions that's mm. terrible she she really treats joseph gordon levitt bad in this movie <laughs> also sense. i don't know like i also feel like she, people know this kind of girl usually like this kind of like yeah. stereotype of of a of a woman i feel like well at least as as a male i feel like i've known um a girl that i like was really into at one point who was kind of like this and it was like a very frustrating experience right like i feel like i can kind of relate with that that experience that um tom is going through in the movie what i didn't really like is that i feel like zoe deschanel is a much like kinder person and maybe it was just like my past context maybe it has to do with the way that she's like um represented in other movies but i actually think a lot of it is like she just seems like a very happy person you know i feel like they needed to pick somebody with a sharper jawline i'm not sure why maybe that was just like there's something about it she's right? got a pretty sharp jawline <laughs> i don't know no 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 no. it's it's i i just felt like the casting could have been different to like almost convince me that she would like they really they really try to sell her as this this woman that's like like very what's the right word like people are just drawn to her especially like men fall for her very easily and i look at her as like an actress and stuff and i don't think that she doesn't have like a charming quality it was just the way described her i don't know if i would have picked her to fill that role if that makes sense and i'm not saying that she's not pretty or not like you know, um, that she couldn't carry herself in that role. I just feel like there, there was almost like a, like a disconnect in my mind because of her other roles of her being like very nice or kind, or like maybe it's just me watching new girl. I kind of, I kind of disagree. Um, only in that I think she really, uh, works well in that role because it's, she's very unassuming. She's very, 
pleasant to be around. And so you can kind of understand why people are drawn to her. Um, and the reason that I was frustrated, I, I, I kind of wanted her to be more aggressively mean or more or not, not mean, but I wanted her to be more um, forthright in a lot of the decisions. Mm. And that's kind of the point, obviously, of her character. It's not a criticism of the writing or anything. But, um, you know, it, she she's she's almost too um, hands off in a way. Right. It, that makes you frustrated. And I think uh, Zoe Deschanel really embodies that well in this role. I think I think she doesn't like an excellent job of, of being the sort of carefree uh wanderer who kind of just floats around and does what she wants um but you know ends up uh, breaking breaking hearts uh along the way yeah um, I, I don't know and I, I i can definitely see that her as that yeah i don't i don't know why it wasn't like fully clicking with me maybe it was just my own past experience i really do think part of it is like her character in maybe other things I've seen just because I watched new girl and I feel like she has like this, like her, her, her presence on screen is like so tied to that role in that TV show. Now for me and my brain that I'm like, I, I, I don't know. She does little things where she like, she says what she means or like, she's very forward, but then she's not forward in other areas of this movie, you know? I, I don't know how to explain it. Maybe maybe I'm totally off. Or or it's my past, you know, my past experiences that have just scarred me, tarnished me. I'm like, that doesn't look like that girl, you know? Uh, <laughs> but um never it's just I think that's a nitpick. That's not even that important. Yeah. Um I want to keep hearing your thoughts. I mean, you're getting more continually frustrated. How did you feel at the end of the movie? Yeah, well, I, I definitely um the my frustration is not a criticism of the movie. Uh, I'll just put it that way. Uh, it it adds to the sense of sort of loss and, uh, you know, distant feeling uh, that he gets by the end. Um, and I, I think the the end sequence is sweet, um, although I say that kind of eye rollingly because the there is kind of there is something nice about having the end be you know oh he's still a hopeless romantic and you know he still thinks there's some fate he he hasn't totally been been destroyed by by summer but i think there's something charming about the i i don't think it would have worked maybe with general audiences but i think the way that they cross paths in terms of their character arcs right where summer becomes the the hopeless romantic who believes in fate and you know is is changed by the end and he's become the cynic and the one who's totally disillusioned with with love by the end i think that's a that's a good ending and i like that that uh crossing of their character arcs and i think the growth of that works well so i i i don't want to say it was dampered a little bit by the by the ending but it kind of was i think it's it's a cute ending and i i like it i like the you know the sequence between the two of them i think it's fun and it probably wraps wraps up the movie a lot better but i think their their crossing of their characters is i I like that sequence a lot um that when they're when they're sort of sitting on the bench and kind of contemplating you know Mm. Um, yeah, 
one thing that I will say that I found really interesting in this movie uh, that I haven't seen in a lot of other rom-coms is there's a blending of fantasy and reality in this movie that I think is really unique and really well done. And it kind of sneaks up on you and surprises you in some ways. And I would say there's an argument to be made that that last conversation between them um, could have not been real at all. And there are certain things that you look back on where it changes if you if you think about it as sort of just in Gordon uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt's head uh, as as sort of him replaying the fantasy of summer in his mind um and i don't know i like i like the ambiguity in a lot of ways of him this is a movie about being reflective on your past and when you do that you kind of change certain things and you make things up a little bit and you you maybe focus on one detail instead of another. And I really like how it plays with that kind of perspective in this movie. Um, and it's not something that you see a lot in other rom-coms. Yeah. I think the thing that really stood out on my second viewing was this desire for like artistic expression in this movie. And I, I think you're hitting on that correctly when you say like, there's this, element of fantasy my take on the second viewing was like wow they really like didn't have to do this you know that's basically like kind of how i felt about most of the exciting or unique scenes in this movie i have this joke with my brother i think i mentioned it to you cameron a, f a few weeks back um in watching the mandalorian we ca we came with this phrase where we say oh they really shouldn't have um, that's like, <laughs> that's like the phrase when we're watching a movie. Oh, they really, they really shouldn't have, they really shouldn't have done that. Um, and, uh, although that line makes me, made me laugh a lot, it's mostly an insult to the, to whatever we're watching. Um, I feel like this movie kind of brought that phrase to a different, um, like just a different perspective because when there's the scene of like him standing in the street and there's suddenly like sketching happening, like kind of a sort of artistic visual effect out of nowhere, honestly. Like for me, I was like, I didn't really see anything like that besides references to drawing with the greeting cards and architecture, right? There's there's a scene where he's like in the middle of the street after um, the party and it's just sketched into this like beautiful kind of worn, um, you know, canvas, right? And I was sitting there like, why? You know, why did they do that? Uh, and it wasn't a diss. It was more like, this is really nice. You know, <laughs> this is, this is a lot more work than they really could have put into it, you know? And it continued to, to escalate in this movie where I began to think, you know, there's a part of this movie that could have been made really lazily. Let's be honest. Yes. You yes. Know? 100%. The, <laughs> the, the 2000s, you're, you're getting this script, Right. You're, you're casting these star actors and actresses. It's going to do well. You know, this movie, I, I feel like it's it's bound to be successful with just the elements that are presented kind of on paper in the boardroom, right? And the people that put this movie together, they really went the extra step in a lot of places in this movie. 
Uh, and it, and that was really apparent in the second viewing um, from the sequence of like expectation versus reality at the end. Like what a creative way to sort of approach a scene around, you know, rejection, right? Or, or you're having like this false hope going into it and then, you, you know, like it's a way more engaging scene as an audience member, a way more exciting scene to watch. And they really didn't need to do that, right? Yeah. There's a lot of moments in this movie that continue to push the, the those creative flares. Um, I'm trying to think of a few more because I had a couple on the on the top of my head, but the create uh, the expectation versus reality is definitely a highlight. Cameron, can you think of another one? Yeah the uh, the flash mob. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, that the was the one. Yeah, yeah, like the, the uh, random, which is so good. <laughs> yes, the random moment breaking out. Like I absolutely hate musicals, and somehow that scene charmed me a lot. Right, and it was yeah, because like, it's it's hilarious, and yes. the joke. There's obviously you know a, a joke in there, um, you know about about the the feeling after you you know you've just scored and whatever. Right, um, and so like you know there's there's something there's something entertaining about that. But then it also, uh, it is kind of one of the first moments where you get a sense that this is obviously from Tom's perspective entirely, yes, but also yes. it is his, it is his fantasy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the, one of the first clues, in fact. It, I, I don't know. I feel like the heightened nature of this movie and sort of the heightened, like you're saying, like the artistic nature and the some of the just attention to the detail it really gives it a sense of um it gives this movie a sense of like gravity and a little bit more um i don't know it pulls you in in a certain way and then at the same time it's it's very ungrounded mm-hmm. uh if that makes sense it's very fantastic uh, in in a fairy tale sort of way, almost, and you know, even the sort of the the look at the end, you know, where he looks straight into the camera uh, after you know after that conversation, you know, you get a right. sense that this is this is kind of a fairy tale in a lot of way, ways, and I think with a lot of rom coms, you know, either they try to make it. Um, you know, they try to lean on sort of the funniness and, and you know, hit maybe the, the humor part of it uh, a little bit more, or they make it some very, like, real and grounded. You know, I think, like, Manhattan does this. Manhattan is very, feels very uh, grounded in terms of their conversations. The filmmaking is very gorgeous and expansive, but I think the the conversations that they're having are very realistic. I think this movie breaks away kind of from both of those where it's not a very realistic movie. It's a very fairy tale kind of movie and it's, it's not leaning super heavy on the jokes either. It's really kind of trying to nail something very personal. Uh, and you can feel that this is a personal movie to the, the people who, who made it. Um, yeah. I don't know if, if it's the, you know, the two writers who um, felt more, connected to the source material or if it was director sometimes it's hard to tell you know but even from the very opening <laughs> uh lines of of text in in the beginning of the movie you can tell this is a very 
a very personal movie to right. someone involved. Right. right. And I think that's funny because well, uh, well, there's a hidden layer, obviously, there where you're like, okay, obviously they're they're making this about a girl who you know broke someone's heart and what whatnot. But then on top of that, they give themselves the license in a lot of ways to sort of let let some of that slack out and be a little more take a little, a little more artistic liberties with the you know with whatever their source material is and make the fantasy that they were thinking back on oh, and and that's kind of what wraps everybody into it everybody has like you like you said Isaac you know everybody has a feeling of being very connected to someone who totally doesn't <laughs> give you the time of, of day yeah or yeah. you know something like that and so i think this movie is very universal because of how um how fantastical it is, uh, if that makes sense. I will say, and I found this kind of interesting, most of the time when I watch a movie with Jules and it's a rom-com, she's very excited. Now, obviously, it could have just been the season of life, right? She had no interest in watching this movie uh, with me. And we watched it over like two days, right? Earlier this week, I watched about half of it with her, and then a little bit more on Friday, and she didn't really care for any of it, right? I was just kind of surprised by that, because I was like, I don't want to watch a rom-com usually unless my girlfriend's forcing me to, usually, you know? Um, so I think it made me kind of watch the movie in different, in different you know, through like a different lens, um, to like watch it alone. I think, it, honestly, this whole month has sort of done that with rom-com. So I, I want to give this this genre some more credit than... I usually feel like, let's be honest. I think most of the time when I'm sitting down to watch a movie, like for my own pleasure, it's like, I'm going to watch something sci-fi, something action, something stupid, right? Like that's usually like where I lean. Um, so to kind of force myself to sit down and watch movies that still have a casual nature, right? It's not some, uh, expedition into film literature for lack of a better word, right? Like the, the, the heavy duty stuff. To sit down and watch something that was more like, not simplistic, but you, you know what I'm saying, like almost more crowd pleasing, right? Um, but it was in a genre that I don't usually like. I'm not normally drawn to. Um, I think I have like a little bit more of a new appreciation just through the analytical lens to like pull something out of these movies. I think on a lot of this for me started with you taking me to um, West Side Story in uh, mm. December. Um, because I'm not going to lie like that. Not only was that experience fun, you know, Cameron, when we got to go to the movies, it was, it was a good time. Um, but there was still a lot to enjoy about that movie, even though it was a genre I didn't want to sit through. And it was a genre that wasn't like, you know, I, I feel like so much so, or so often when I'm talking about movies, I don't want to sit through. It's like some horrendous artistic movie, some cinephile film that's going <laughs> to torture you to the end. Right. It's almost worse for me to sit down at a movie. That's like not going to shock me now or not going to be some endurance, uh, test, right. For a film. It's like this, this, this is crowd pleasing, but it's not what you want to watch. Right. Like how do I watch mm-hmm. a movie like that? And find new interest and value, right? Um, 
so yeah, I was I think really the big highlight for me with this movie is just those little creative moments that I think add so much icing uh to the cake in this movie. I think this movie could have been so boring for me to sit through. And whoever <laughs> created it yeah. really uh, had fun with it. They really wanted to make something special. I want to say that the whole sequence of him like learning architecture is like awesome. Like the whole like uh, montage of him like learning and sketching and drawing. I'm like, what is even going on, dude? This feels like a completely different movie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, with all that amazing time lapse work uh, in the in the in the film as well. Like it's like a it's a it's a it's like a director of. Uh, cinematography flex at the end of the film. Even if it's, I don't know, like I always see that stuff and I think it's stock footage, but something about the way that it was shot and put together in this film, I was like, it feels intentional. I mean, everything else they did was intentional. So why wouldn't they go the extra mile on this last sequence, right? Um, yeah. I don't know. I I think that, that it's got something really special about it. Um, I have to be real with you, Cameron. The earlier half of this film actually didn't engage me as much as the last half. And maybe it was because I was just like not as in like I'd seen it before. So I'm not, I wasn't so invested in like the relationship aspect. I was more looking for the nuggets of entertainment, the fun stuff in the movie. Um, yeah. Or, or like the analytical bits, but the bouncing back and forth, right. Between the different days as a mechanic, I think it's interesting, but on a second viewing, I was like, whatever. Like, I wasn't so interested in it. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas I look back on a film like the one we did last week, um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, right? There's something linear about that movie that um, it's like a reverse linearity, <laughs> or it's like you're going to see the relationship uh, at its worst going down to its like earliest stage. And something about that design um, of that uh, of that film story, I feel like a second viewing would actually make it even more fun or more exciting yeah. to watch. Whereas this movie, I don't know if you can think about what it would be like to watch it a second time, Cameron, but the back and forth, it's like, it's not bad. It's just kind of like, eh, you know, like I wasn't as like excited. I was more um, wowed when they started to get more uh, fantasy-esque. Yeah. Um, yeah, I kind of understand what you're saying, although I think the thing that would make it fun for me going back is that line where uh, the sister, Rachel, says, uh, what does she say? Like, uh, sometimes when you look back at things, you only see the good thing. You, you know, you only see the good times and you're not looking for, for you know, anything else. And... I think there's probably clues in this movie about when they're when he's looking back in the first half versus when he's looking back in the second half and sort of what the differences are between those those sequences and what he notices versus, you know, later on. So I, I think that would be that would be engaging for me, but I, I kind of see what you mean. I like the early on portion though because she is kind of this like gravitational pull throughout the movie um and you kind of get that feeling of of it's like it's like when you're rooting for the underdog you know in a lot Mm, of ways where where you want you know you want success and you want something to happen um 
you know, so it's like it, for me that that is is pretty engaging. Um, and I, I like I like that sequence where, you know, they're in the karaoke bar and then the friend, you know, says like he likes you, you know, um, <laughs> right. like I think I think it's um, I think it's funny. And I like the tension between them, mm. you know, in that early on stage. I think is is really well done. Yeah, his two um, friends I think are like awesome on screen. They have very little time <laughs> and they are just like yeah. t- totally nailing their parts. Uh he's got that one friend Paul who's like I've never seen him in anything, but he's like very I, I he's a very strange person, but it's uh, he's like I don't know, he's fitting this stereotype that is almost undefinable for me. Like that one <laughs> friend, you know you have him. But like, I don't know. It's just weird. I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. Um, and then uh, the other like weird kind of greasy, cocky uh, friend that he has that works in the office with him. Like he's he's a riot. Great comic relief in the movie. As yeah, well. he's, he's really funny. I love when he starts clapping. Yes. <laughs> after yes. He quits. Dude, that speech <laughs> part, too, is like is awesome where he's yeah. just like, I'm done with this, you know? Yeah. Well, again, one of the reasons why I I almost feel like this movie is basically um it's kind of like the female fight club <laughs> in a lot of ways. I don't know. You know what I mean? Um where uh it's it's all fake, it's all in in his head, but um you know, it Have you seen Fight Club? No. Oh, I guess spoilers, but um you know, it's That's okay. Right. Everyone has spoiled that movie for me. I honestly I'll watch that movie and still be blown away by the ending. I'm not even yeah, gonna lie. Probably. Like I'll yeah. I'll see it and I'll be like, "Wow!" I I, well, I mean I knew the ending, but I was still surprised. You know. <laughs> well, I think yeah, I think this this movie. I don't know. I'm kind of struggling to consider. Is this? Did this? Is it real? Like, is this story? Obviously, it's not real. It's fake. But um, is this supposed to be a, a an illusion? in his head <laughs> you know what i mean like i some of these things are so unrealistic and so outside of the rest of the movie like even the speech scene that's one of the moments where i was like wow this is really um they're like leaning very heavily into the the fantasy portion in a scene that could otherwise be be just very realistic you know he just quits and then before that the scene where uh his boss is basically like <laughs> telling him off and and shifts him to to the funerals department. Yeah. But I know yeah. it's supposed to be funny, but at the same time you're like I wonder if this is this is fake. You know what I mean? I wonder if this is not if if this is all in his head. I think um, you're just overthinking it, camera. I never had that didn't cross my mind once be. with this movie. I th- I think I don't know. I feel I like I think she might not be real. I just feel like this movie is just a little bit expressive in the way it is that it is. Ex- I mean, yeah, obviously, right. I think it's it's a li- like come on, Cameron. We've watched plenty of movies that don't make complete sense because they're not grounded, you know. But it's more of like a feeling, right? And I want to I wanted to highlight this movie has a great soundtrack. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people absolutely love "Sweet Disposition" by The Temper Tramp. I think that's what they're called. The band. Um, but it's got that sick guitar delay, quarter eighth note delay thing that I may or may not have bought a delay pedal for when I was playing guitar. 
It's got that ding, 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 ding. You know what I'm talking about? Like that weird, yeah. like little. Yeah. That's like. Um, I feel like this that song is like such a 2010 icon song, right? Um, yeah. This definitely. movie really cemented that. As a matter of fact, I knew nothing about this movie at the time, but I was listening to that song back then, right? And all you would see on the cover of the song is 500 Days of Summer soundtrack, right? Um, so, yeah, the, the, there's also a lot of great choices in, in other music as well. But that movie, that song comes up twice, and they, they're in moments of like kind of bliss where um, Tom and Summer are having their, their interactions and they're really falling for each other. One at the wedding, and there's another montage scene like about a third of the way through earlier where the song comes up. But yeah, the, the 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 score is great. There's a lot of, um, yeah, I I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of like interesting expression in this movie that it's like not necessarily realistic, but yeah, like yeah, I don't know. Come on, Cameron. We not, we didn't not, even mention, but the uh, there's there's lots of 16 millimeter film moments that are in like black and yeah, white. Yeah, totally. Um, that was another moment the, where I was like, they they didn't need to, right? Yeah, that are very fun, and I feel like, I feel like, is very ahead of its time. Yes, that's a thing that we see now more than back at back in the late two thousands. I feel like people were trying to be as clean and as digital looking as possible back then. Mm. Um, and this movie looks very, um, it's just very expressionistic. Um, and obviously, you know, it's it's. There's there's several sequences. Obviously, it makes fun of the graduate. Um, lots of film. Oh, another thing. Lots of film references in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so makes fun of the graduate. Uh, it has a whole uh, Ingmar Bergman uh, montage sequence <laughs> that is really funny. Um, but you wouldn't you wouldn't know what that is. Yeah, so most of it's right. over my head. But I did. Yeah. S- I will say that most like when watching it, I was like, oh, this this has. This has a good love for Hollywood cinema, you know. Also, absolutely shocked when they said that this movie was taking place in L.A. Uh, before they go to that park for the first time, right? Yeah. Um, they're like, <laughs> yeah, we're in Los Angeles. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, I've been there. It does not look like that. Maybe it's sections yeah. of the arts district. <laughs> I don't know. But boy, as that city went down the drain in the last 10 years, <laughs> I was like, what is this, dude? Like... Man, do not. I mean, if you get the chance to visit LA, you know, I'm not going to say I'm not going to end up moving there someday, but Hollywood knows how to clean the streets. All right. Let me just tell you that. They know how to clean up the streets, <laughs> no, it <doesn't>. man. <laughs> no, it doesn't. Just for the shot. And then they, they put all the homeless people back. Sure. Yeah. 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 Um, no, I was, I was surprised about that too, because I was like, I was like, wow, this does not look like LA at all. It feels um, like Boston or something. Like yeah. Something yeah on the it East feels- Coast. Yeah, it feels like New York or like yeah, like Boston, like something like that. Yeah, you're totally right. Um, even I even got a little bit of San Francisco vibes with yeah. the like parks yeah. and stuff. Yeah, but um, and like, like oh. the the train that they take. I wonder where they're going. Well, you I've, know what I mean. I've been on a train like that from LA. So really, that's where, a, yeah. Where, where did it go? They were going to um, Santa Barbara, and that's like they pretty much nailed it. Got it. Because uh, okay. I've been on a train up from. Los Angeles to San Jose, so mm. yeah, you can ride it. It's I I, I was, was it bu- on the coast. Yeah, it goes along the coast. Yeah, and That's it goes cool. through Santa Barbara and it stops at Santa Barbara too. And you go through a couple mountains, which is cool. Um, 
yeah, but that, that, they pretty much nailed the train. There's like, there is a section of some of the cars when I went that have like a sunroof car. Like the whole thing is like glass. Um, mm-hmm. And I was really hoping that when they were going to get coffee, they were going to use that car. Um, but I'm sure it was just a set, you know? Maybe that, that would not not back then. That would have been a nice touch. A nice little like, you know, we know what we're talking about. Because so much of the city does not feel like LA. Also like a park in Los Angeles, like a park in the middle of the city. Like I don't know if I've ever seen that. There's a skyscraper <laughs> everywhere, you know? There's no parks in LA. Come on. Um, well, I, I will say I like that it doesn't look like look or feel like LA. Um, I think in the same way that uh, a movie like Her, you haven't seen this, obviously. I was considering putting that uh, this week, but it's not really a rom-com, so, you know. Um, but a movie like Her is very... Uh, it uses its setting very well and distinguishes itself, and I think this movie does that, too. I, I think it, mm. it really leans into its own look and its own aesthetic and you know it doesn't it doesn't give you it doesn't scream like la vibes it's not like drive or something you know (laughs) right yeah yeah no i mean i don't know it was kind of frustrating for me a little bit that it wasn't like i don't I i like when city like when cities are well represented in the media that they're they're shown even if they're like fantasized about um yeah i don't know that i it, it irritated me on the second view and i was like what this is not los angeles what are you talking about although cameron have you been to the arts district in la no um it's like kind of south a little like southeast ish of the city um not like directly down from downtown to the water it's like a little bit um south and east but it's a cool it's a cool section of the city. It feels much more like San Francisco. So there are areas of LA that are a little bit like that. Just I'm usually on the other side, Burbank, Glendale area. So it's like Yeah. You know. Um Yes. I don't know if there's much else to say about this movie, Cameron. I it was cool to revisit it. We can get into ratings. Do you want to add anything before we kind of close up? Um no, other than I, I looked this up and I had forgotten. But um, the you want to know what what the director did after this? What <laughs> he did the Amazing Spider Man and oh, the Amazing Spider Man Two. <laughs> wow, wow! I mean, the Amazing Spider Man Two definitely better than the first one. Um, so I can. Well, say, what are you talking about? You are insane. Definitely better than the first one. <laughs> I I, f- I feel like the Amazing Spider-Man two, you know, you are absolutely out of your mind. I'm not gonna say the Amazing Spider-Man. I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna <laughs> say that I got my first kiss after the Amazing Spider-Man two. I'm not gonna say that. All right, <laughs> all right. I'm not gonna say that that memory is like true in my life. All right, I'm just gonna put that out there. Yeah, the Amazing <laughs> Spider-Man two way better than the first one. All right. <laughs> I I don't okay. know Cameron. I just feel like the second one is like just balls to the wall and just like we should just yeah, we should just do a Spider-Man month, you know? No. <laughs> Let's watch Spider-Man 3, Amazing Spider-Man 2, uh Into the Spider-Verse and um uh, like an old 60s Spider-Man movie or something. <laughs> like the movies nobody wants to talk about. Yeah, let's do that. 
I I don't like Spider Man enough to to do that. So yeah, you're more of a, you're more of a Batman guy. We know. Yeah, for sure. We know. Cameron, let's give it a rating. Five hundred yeah. days of summer for everyone, for the casuals, for the curious, for the cinephiles. What do you think? I think um, I think this is for everybody. I think it's really accessible and very easy. It's a very easy movie. Um, and I guess that's my only big knock on the film is I could have wanted a little more challenge out of it, I guess. Hmm. I could have wanted a little more emotional investment by the end. So I don't feel like I necessarily got the, you know, the big, the, the punch to the gut. Um, maybe, and uh, to be honest, maybe some people will, uh, maybe a lot of people will, maybe I'm just a heartless, cruel person, but, um, yeah, I mean, for me, I didn't, I, I, I really liked it. I thought it was, um, a lot of fun, very interesting, but I didn't, I wasn't super emotionally involved and I ended up disliking, uh, Scarlett Johansson. So, you know, (laughs) well, not quite. Yeah. You mean Zoe Deschanel? Oh yeah. Oh, sorry. You're thinking, you're thinking of Scarlett Johansson, the, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was in another movie with her. I, I don't remember what it is. Um, like, yeah, I don't, I don't it's remember. It's not 50-50, but it's like... No. That was the, with... Uh, the hard side of life or going easy or something. What is that? <laughs> now I need to know. Hold on. <laughs> What's it called? It's called uh, The Flip Side, you know? No. The flip side? It's called Don John. There we go. <laughs> Don John. That's yes, it. You're Don right. Don John, yes. I have uh, seen Don John, yeah. Also, just to mention, he is in a movie called 10 Things I Hate About You. This entire movie, this dude looks like um, Heath Ledger, bro. In this movie, shockingly like Heath Ledger. And I've never, ever looked at uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as a Heath Ledger counterpart but it, it's hmm. shocking in this movie hang on i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna look up a picture here 500 days of summer um joseph gordon levitt i'm telling i'm gonna send you a picture of this dude all right like you can't tell me this guy doesn't look like hang on i'm gonna throw it in the chat can i do that yeah nope i can't oh. I, it didn't let well, me well i'm that. i'm looking at 10 things i hate about you right now well, if you look at, okay, look him up on Google right now. 500 Days of Summer, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. I'm telling you, audience members, if you're not driving, don't crash to do this. But, like, this dude looks like Heath Ledger. If The second image on Google, it's like him standing in an elevator. You can't tell me that's, like, not a carbon copy of Heath Ledger, dude. Like, isn't that shocking? A little bit? Uh, I mean, I guess. I guess a little bit. I, I don't know. I'm 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 iffy on this, but uh I see where you're coming from. Similar face shape, I guess. Uh but yeah, I'm I'm a little iffy. I don't know. Maybe it's comparison. Have you seen Ten Things I Hate About You? No. That's a good one. He Heath Ledger's getting it too. Um It's like it's more like corny. It's fun. That movie's fun. Um but yeah, I, I mean, Cameron and I agree with you. But rating for everyone, I feel like, yeah, this movie is very approachable. I don't know if it's like something that you need to consider in the cinematic canon, though, right? Maybe this is something to add to our future conversations around ratings. It's usually we yeah. rate just based on, like, can you approach this movie, right? That's how most <laughs> of our ratings work. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, a little bit. Honestly, like, 
I was a little bit underwhelmed, but I, I didn't really feel moved by this film. Yeah. It I, was I, kind I, of I like artistically fun. You know, it it is relatable. It's a good time, but it doesn't, it's not really anything that I feel like people can disagree with, you know, like, I, I, I don't know. It's not very offensive. And I know this is a little bit like pretentious, but some people say that like art, art is, is offensive a little bit. Right. Um, or like the best art is a little bit offensive. I feel like a cinephile saying that I'm just saying like, I think your, your phrase of it not being very challenging is, is a good way of putting it. Um, even in, in some films that are easy to approach, like for everyone, I would even say that a movie like The Incredibles, which I think is for everyone, still has an element that's challenging about it. Um, maybe that's, I, I don't know, like, so actually, I think Pixar movies are a great example of this, where you're left afterwards with this consideration for deeper ideas than you were expecting, right? My favorite parts of The Incredibles are the, conversation around marriages and communication and the struggles in a relationship uh, that, that comes with being adults, raising a family. I think like that, that conversation was sparked in my mind at a young age watching this movie. Right. I, I was like, what the heck is this? I'm thinking about this as a kid. Right. Uh, yes. I like superheroes. Boom, boom, explode things. Right. But then syndrome says, if everyone's special, then no one is. And I'm sitting there like, what? What does that mean? You know, as a child, I'm leaving the theater. What does that mean? You mean if we could all fly, then it wouldn't matter anymore. You know, like, you know, you know, there's something about it. that's like inherently kind of you chew on it for a little bit. I wasn't, I didn't feel like this movie I was chewing on afterwards. It's not to say yeah, that I you think, I think the, the thing that I wanted more of I think this movie kind of idolizes uh, Zoe Deschanel's character a little bit, um, and I wanted it to be a little bit more critical of her character in the end because she is the villain. <laughs> She's the villain of this movie. Okay, so, all right, you cis male. All right, you listen so here. She's I the really victim. Think... She's the victim, Cameron. <laughs> no, she's she the villain. The victim. She's the villain. She she destroys his life. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to be honest. I don't think that any of the characters are necessarily seen in any sort of moral scale in this film. And I think that's no, probably no, yeah, no, no. why it's not very challenging. Because well, that's, it... that's fine. And I'm you know, it doesn't have to be like a super moral statement necessarily. But I think I think uh for me she, I don't know. I I wanted yeah, I wanted the movie to to put up to put up more of a fight, I guess. But okay, uh, but this is uh, actually the more I'm thinking about like who do you root for in this movie? You, you root know? for Tom. But why? Like I I I'm I'm going to be honest, like I feel like the only reason I can root for Tom is because I have a little bit of like an understanding of where he's coming from a li like just a yeah. just a just a little bit um and maybe that's what most protagonists are based on but like I just I don't know I feel like you could watch this movie and this is how I felt watching it the second time is I felt like I was watching this movie and I was just like 
I don't really care that much about them. I'm kind of just appreciating the movie for what it is. And I just, I, I, I thought that was very strange, you know, to watch a, a rom-com movie and have that sort of feeling where it's like, you know, Tom's kind of a whiny romantic kid, whatever. <laughs> and Summer, you know, her head's in the clouds, you know, I don't, I'm not really following her too much. What I was more interested in is like, why are they doing those weird, like grainy old school shots or why are they doing that cool, like expectation versus reality moment? Um, which I wasn't expecting out of a movie that was kind of a blockbuster rom-com, right? I wasn't expecting these fun elements that were in this film. Uh, and yeah, I don't, I, it's not that the characters are bad. It's not that I don't like them. I was definitely interested to see them through, right? In the movie. It's just, I didn't feel any sort of like huge desire for them to like resolve in, in, in some, like I, I was kind of more interested in like, I don't know. I felt, I felt a little distant from them on the second viewing. I think a lot of it just had to do with the fact that I, it wasn't as engaging in the set. Like, and I, I think the only reason I'm bringing this up and I think the reason it's strange is that I didn't remember most of this film and I still didn't really care about hmm. their, their story on the second viewing. I don't, I think the first time I watched it, I cared more about what was going to happen to them. The second viewing, I was like, I literally remember nothing about this movie. I don't remember if they keep to stay together at all. And it was probably just my expectation watching it. But I was like, I'm just so much more interested in these cool little moments that this film has. Um, and how like just relatable and real they are to my life. Like, I've been thinking about that expectation versus reality scene. Um, just because it's like, I don't know. It's like, I've I've thought about that. I've had that moment, right? Yeah. But I'm not thinking about you know, Tom and Summer. I'm thinking about it right. in the context of, of my own life. Whereas other movies I enjoy, I'm thinking about the characters in their own world and their own story and how that applies to me. But it's not like they kind of have this talking back and forth. This movie, I was just thinking about myself in a lot of ways. And I, and maybe, maybe that's, part, I, I'm kind of rambling, but I, <laughs> maybe that's part of this movie's genius. I feel like Tom is very focused on himself in this movie it's it's very it's a very like self-contained like i'm just thinking about my relationship and my romance there's really no care for any of his friends in his life or anything like that like it's very like just centered on him maybe it's just focused for plot's sake but i don't know um yeah i i does that make sense what i'm saying Cameron? like with the characters yeah i i i definitely understand i mean i i think i liked their um their chemistry i liked their interactions with each other a lot so i i did have that feeling of caring but i think i think even the expectation on the outset is that they're not going to get together i think yeah. they tell you that yeah. you know from the very maybe, beginning maybe yeah so that could have added to it so i think i think part of that is maybe checking yourself in terms of um what you consider their relationship to be and what what mm. your expectations for their relationship will be. Right. Um I don't know. In my mind, yeah, the only I think my biggest issue really is the um I think this movie lets lets um lets summer off the hook in a lot of ways. 
<laughs> but I think she's a terrible person. So, <laughs> you know, I maybe it's too personal to share something like this, but like hindsight, some of the girls that I was pursuing that are, were like that in my past. I don't really look at them as like these evil creature, like these like villains in my life, you know? And so I think maybe some of the resolution in this movie for me felt like emotionally real, um, where it's like, I wouldn't see someone that I had feelings for. Um, like if I ran into them at a park or, you know, was considered, I wouldn't look at them as like, you're a villain uh, even there's a part of me that's like, I hope you're doing well, kind of. I don't really, like, it's sort of this memorable thing, right? Because um, looking back, it's almost like, boy, that that tragic, that tragedy in my life at the time was so, like, it, it, it didn't matter that much in the long scheme. Mm-hmm. Right, I I think the only thing that doesn't make sense in this movie is that he hasn't moved on from it, and he's seeing her again, right? And he doesn't consider her a villain. Yeah, right. He's still yes, pretty close. Yes. He's still pretty yes. close to the experience, right? I've had moments where I've run into people that I've liked or exes. It's not as bad because it's like, well, I've moved on. I can see my future with someone else, or I'm pursuing someone else at the time, and it's almost like we had both grown up out of that. And it's like, well, you know, it's today. It, we don't hate each other anymore, but it doesn't mean we want to be around each other. It's just kind of like we grew up, right? Um, yeah. So but I, 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 I do think, um, I think plot wise, it makes sense because that's where you get the scene of them sort of switching roles, right? And then he goes on to to sort of meet someone else in the end, right? So, I it 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 does make sense with the structure of the movie. Sure. So yeah. I, I understand. I understand why that is. Um, yeah. Yeah. I I just mean that she she is leading him on for a year uh being wishy-washy and in and out and you know not really committing and and it's not like like that's 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 pretty bad to do to someone. Yeah. Know? Yeah, I th- I felt like the weird the only like one moment that I didn't really understand is when she was crying in the theater and then she was like, "Okay, I'm going to leave." And I thought it would have actually made more sense if she was like remembering someone that she wanted to be with. And then that's why she was getting married. But instead, like I, I get it. Like she's like, well, I do believe in like soulmates or something. Right. But I was like, I felt like things weren't working out with them because she had almost wanted to be with, someone else in that moment you know or something like that i'm not sure maybe yeah. i i haven't seen the graduate so how how would i know what the ending of that movie means right um i was like i was like i don't even know i was looking at the, <laughs> the wait what movie did they go see in that movie they, um i uh i'm trying to remember that's not the graduate though that one is i is don't it? i don't is it i'm not sure now we're going to wrap up, people. Don't worry. Oh, right? it is The Graduate. It is. Yeah. It is. So the ending of that, that movie, I'm, I was just looking at the actor and I was like, uh, I don't know who that is. <laughs> is that bad? Like, who's the actor in The Graduate? Uh, you're, you're, uh, you're dipping into territory. That, Dustin Hoffman. Yes. Yeah. I'm looking at Dustin Hoffman and I'm like, 
that guy, I should know who that is, but I cannot tell you. <laughs> I was looking at it, I was like, is that like a really young Robert De Niro? And I just don't know. <laughs> I don't know why that's not him, but I know he's someone I'm supposed to know. Like, you know, I was just having that moment when they were watching. I was like, yikes, that's a reason I don't call myself the expert. But you had to look it up on Google. So, ha ha, Cameron exposed. You're a fake yeah, dude, know. you know. Fraud. Who's even listening to this show at this point? They already turned it off. <laughs> they already switched to the Joe Rogan experience. Like, we already st- we already told them to, that that was the end, basically, and that was 20 minutes ago. So, <laughs> Well, yeah. So we do post every Monday, even though this came out around midnight on Monday, so you can listen. If you want to honestly hear updates about why the show's late, usually Instagram is a good place. All our tags are ECFS Productions, at ECFS Productions, including our... Uh, Patreon and all that stuff. So if you want to keep up with what's going on with us, if you want to message us and you don't want to pay us to message us, you know you can message us on on Patreon even if you don't pay us. So reach out about the show if you listen every week. Uh, we appreciate the support of all of you guys. I know there's a lot of friends that listen to the show. We appreciate you guys. Shout out to one of our listeners, Jonathan Adam. Love Jonathan. Just had a phone call with him before. Sometimes you're just having a moment in life and you need to call a friend, and Jonathan was there. For some mm. good advice. So, um, yeah, but Jonathan listens to the show every once in a while. So just shout out to all the people that continue to listen week in and week out. I mean, we have more listeners than we have patrons. So they're definitely free feed yeah, listeners. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> Probably people that click on the show by mistake, right? It's, sure, the, al- yeah. it's the Apple al- or algorithm being like, you know, these guys post every week. We should promote them to someone random. They listen to five <laughs> seconds and they're like, oh no, never again are we listening to the, who are this low budget garbage podcast came up on my feed the other day. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. All right, that rounds out rom-com month. Cameron, huge question from one of our patrons. Tim, what are we doing for March? Any ideas? It's a good question. I don't know. I'll let you know. <laughs> it's only March tomorrow, Cameron. Good. All right, I haven't well, thought about it yet. I haven't thought good, about it yet. Good, 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 good. All right, all right, Cameron. What do you Thanks think for- we should do? War month. <laughs> War month. Oh, that <laughs> was a suggestion. Didn't yes. Tim suggest that at one point? I don't know. No, he doesn't like war movies. <laughs> do you remember when we did an episode, Cameron, of our last podcast called Our Favorite War? <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I hope nobody ever listens to that. Uh, what? Yeah. What were we thinking, dude? Our old our old podcast was just off the wall, dude. It was yeah, it was uh honestly probably more interesting than this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was so draining to do. That's okay. Cameron, you know, Cameron, I should talk to you about this off air, but we will see you guys next week, next Monday. Tune in for something good. Thank you guys for the time, and we'll see you then. Cinema Spectator is an ECFS Productions podcast that is fully funded on Patreon.com. Shout out to our producers, Darren O'Neill, for supporting the show and to the rest of you that support us at patreon.com slash ECFS Productions. If you want to learn more about the benefits you can get, check out our Patreon. The show cannot happen without you great listeners, so we thank you for all your kindness and support.